Welcome to In Case You Missed It for the 9th of August 2020. On this week's show, Kate Dobson from Nantwich Museum is speaking to Dave about the museum's at home event. Chris Cadman poses listener legal questions to Paul Clark from the South Cheshire Law Society. And Helen Kapiner is fundraising £120,000 to help her son Georgie receive treatment for a very rare bone cancer called Erwing sarcoma. That's all on the way. Museum and heritage sites from the Northwest will be joining to bring children and their families a day of online activities at their Museums at Home 2020 event on Sunday the 30th of August. The day is open to all and activities will be focused on questions posed to experts from the Grosvenor Museum in Chester, the Silk Museum in Macclesfield and Nantwich Museum. Kate Dobson from Nantwich Museum spoke to our very own Dave Fawkes earlier this week. Kate, welcome. Welcome to Right Up Your Street. Uh, Kate is the uh, museum manager over at the wonderful museum in Nantwich. And um, she's got a new scheme going to come up because um, getting to the museum obviously has been a no-go for quite a few months now. Kate, can you tell us all about this the sort of new virtual museum scheme you've got going? Yeah, one of the things that we've doing been doing pretty much um, since we um, had to close the doors um, is putting more um, content online so we've created a digital museum and yeah. um, it's been going out on Facebook and Twitter so there's a different post every day um, um, and different themes for each day as well so it can vary from something to do with the Civil War or something from our collection um, one of our photographs um, a real variety throughout the week Brilliant. And and in terms of that, um, obviously opening is going to be even further away now because uh, although we haven't had a second spike, I think the government's a little bit on the back foot. Um, is this something that you can keep um, archiving stuff and bringing it out? <clears throat> yeah, we're hoping that we'll continue um, to do this. Like you say, we're not quite sure what the future, future holds, yep. even when we, we do reopen. Um, so we'll be continuing with this in some form as well. Fabulous stuff. Because I think it's one of those where people, you know, they're more likely to dip in and dip out, aren't they, if it's online. You can just go, I'll just have a quick look at that. Or they spot something that you've put on as a post and think, oh, I didn't know that. Um, do you think people are almost accessing the museum uh, and the exhibits more than if they had to sort of come into town and have a look round? Possibly, yeah. It's been a good way to um, perhaps share more things from the collection with people. And like you say, people have got different interests and perhaps haven't realised that we do hold a lot of information about a whole variety of topics, not just things that you can actually see on display. Yeah, because my interest was um, was piqued the other day when I saw a painting a local artist had done of a cricket match, Nantwich Town versus England. Now, yep. I I would have never ever known that if it hadn't if you hadn't popped it up on on Facebook or Twitter. I can't remember which one it was. I would have never known that, and yet that is. A, it's local, B, it's historic, but C, more than anything else, why did England come to Nantwich to play Nantwich? It's just <laughs> it's just crazy, you know. So um, is that the kind of thing that um, excites you as a museum manager? Do you think, all oh, right, if I put that out, people might not know? Yeah, I think um, we've got a really active research group who have got a whole range of interests as well. 
So they're always finding out new things. Um, and they have been producing lots of pamphlets, but some of that information has been pushed out now into the digital museum. And I think that's the, the interesting part, is that we're always finding out new things. It's not just a, a kind of static, or oh, this is what we've got. Yeah. Um, it, it's something that's always happening here. Brilliant. And, going on. <laughs> and in a wider sense, um, this uh, online uh, mu museum at home, um, I had a quick look online, and, and is it linked in with other museums, Kate? Yeah, this is um, another project, Museums at Home 2020, um, and we're linking together with some of the museums and we form part of a, a heritage learning network. Yeah. Um, so we've decided, because we've all been in a similar situation, we're struggling to do the events that we'd, we'd hoped to put on this year. Um, so it's a digital event um, between um, the Cheshire West Museums, which includes places like the Gravener, yeah. also includes the Silk Museum in Macclesfield. And it's an opportunity for people to put forward their questions, things we might have wanted to find out. And we're going to direct the questions to the different museums and hopefully we can uh, respond at the actual event, which will be running through Facebook, be a, a live Facebook event. Oh, right, okay. On the 23rd of August. Um, so what, what's the categories for questions, Kate? What, what, well, what yeah. kind of thing can we ask? <laughs> well, it's quite varied. Yeah. Um, because we've all got different kind of areas of interest. But you can ask, put your Egyptian questions towards... Um, Macclesfield, right. Silk Museum at Macclesfield. Um, anything about the Romans and Victorians to um, the Grosvenor. Oh, and right. we'll take questions relating to the Tudors or English Civil War. Fabulous stuff. Um, Fabulous. But of course, you can direct questions to, to us about any, any sort of local history topic as well, and it doesn't need to be before. Do you, Kate, you know, season. to be a museum manager, um, I'm guessing at the very least... Uh, you would have got O level history. Yeah. Are, are you? Is that something that you, is is an interest to you as well as being the the head of the museum, the manager? Do, have you got an inherent uh, interest in historical stuff? I suppose you must have, really, mustn't you? I do definitely have a, an interest in history. Don't always get that much time to actually um, do much research myself because there's so many other things going on. Yeah. Um, and I think that's actually been one of the positive things that we've taken from being locked down at the moment. It has given us the opportunity to look at our collections a bit more and to get more of that information out, which is what it's all about. Yeah, anyway. it's true. True, excellent um, stuff. Okay, well, um, that's that's certainly whetted my appetite because when you mentioned Romans, then do you remember that Monty Python sketch where they said, "What did the Romans do for us?" and then, <laughs> they list a whole load of things. Uh, so that's it's got me a little brain worrying now. See if I can get a Roman question. Um, how how do we access all this, Kate? How do we how do we jump on this uh, this event, uh, this museum at home? What do we do for that? Yeah, well, there's um, information about it on our Facebook page, yeah. um, which is just Nantwich Mu Museums. It will be being run through the Cheshire West Museums Facebook, but again, we'll put links um, to that on our own page, and there'll be information on our website as well, which is just www.nantwichmuseum.org.uk. And on our website as well, you'll be able to find out, in addition to this festival, um, more things that you can do locally as well. So we're just building up our 
resources section of the website. So there's local trails that you can do, um, some comics and different things that children can do as well. Brilliant stuff. That's great stuff. Um, and I have to say that I had a little peek at our website. We're all over it as well with you, Kate. We've got all the links Brilliant. in there. So uh, if you go onto our website and uh, have a look at uh, the community stuff there, that's we've got a full page devoted to you and our, all the links and everything like that. So that, that's brilliant, brilliant, brilliant news. And it's so good that... You know, there's been a lot of... Everybody's got a negative about lockdown and COVID, but you've got to sometimes put a little bit of a spin on it. And, you know, hats off to you down there at the uh, the museum. You just haven't locked the door and, and moped around. You've done something about it, so <laughs> hats off to you down there. Still um, going on, even though the door's closed. <laughs> yeah, well, you're still behind there <laughs> working away. Yeah. Now then, uh, you, you chose me a couple of tunes. One which we've just played, uh, which is yeah. Birdie and Keeping Your Head Up. Yeah. And the other one is Mr. Brightside by The Killers, which I must say is one of my top tunes. Uh, are there any backstories to that, Kate? Is there any you know reason why you chose those? Yeah, um, the first one I'd never really heard before lockdown, and that came out on... Um, we're members of... Well, we follow Museum Development Northwest, and they've yeah. been sending out playlists, Monday Motivation playlists. Oh, yeah. Us, and that was on there, and it's definitely kept me me going at times oh lovely um, and then the second one it's just been a favourite for a long time always reminds me of being back at university it's just a banging tune isn't it that absolute tune yeah. Kate it's been an absolute pleasure thank you so much for the heads up on that um, we're heading off to the museum's website we're heading off to uh, the cat's website because all the information's there keep on unearthing those wonderful wonderful things about Nantwich and crew and everything to do with the local history because uh, we're absolutely loving that and that cricket match painting oh that's just oh, that's what it's all about that's what history's all about for more information about the event and links to Nantwich Museum and museums at home, visit our website. As part of a regular new feature on the Perfect Afternoon Show here on The Cat, this week Chris Cadman's guest was Paul Clark from the South Cheshire Legal Society. He spoke about what the society does and took some listener questions. Paul, could you give me a little bit of a, a bit of an intro to who South Cheshire Law Society are? Uh, yes, of course. Um, so we're South Cheshire Law Society. We are a professional organisation for legal professionals working and living in South Cheshire. So that's Crew, Nambridge and Sandbatch. Our members cover many different areas of law, from wills to property to business law. Um, we offer training events and support for legal professionals and, and solicitors. We're also very, very keen to support our local community, and we regularly raise money for charity. For example, last year we raised money for Shine Bright Foundation, who are a charity that support women with triple negative breast cancer. And this year we're supporting St Luke's Hospice. But as well as supporting legal professionals, we also signpost members of the public to solicitors where they can receive advice about the legal problem if they're not sure where to turn. Hmm. So uh, basically, Paul, anything sorry, anything to do with legal, um, we can come to you, although you may not be able to answer it specifically now. It's You've hmm. got a network where you can go to to get answers for people. That's right, we have. And on our website, which is www.southcheshirelaw.co.uk, we have a supporters page where we have a list of our solicitors and a brief description of what they do and their practice areas. So if it's a question I can't answer today, if listeners go onto the website 
they'll be able to find out who they need to contact, who will be able to help them. That's great. Well, Paul, it's a real pleasure to have you on the station. And as I said, uh, us as a community station, together with you trying to help the community, hopefully we can answer a few questions. Now, as I said, we uh, put a little uh, shout out there and we've got quite a few, in fact, quite a lot of questions. I think at the moment with COVID and everything going on and clearly lots of challenges for people, maybe unfortunately people passing away prematurely or people thinking about that they've got lots of questions with regards wills so if i could i'll read the first question and to anybody who's listening if you do have a question you can send it into studio at this is the com. it's it will be kept absolutely anonymous you don't have to put other than obviously would have your email address but you don't have to put your name on there if you don't want any details whatsoever and then obviously paul will tell you how we can help or potentially how he may be able to help you in the future so the first question Paul that we received is my mother recently passed away and told me that she had left everything to me but she did not make a will I'm the only remaining family member so is this a problem do I need to do anything okay well first I'm very sorry to hear that uh, what was happened when someone dies without a will the inheritance is decided by the rules of intestacy and there are a set of rules set out in law which determines which family member should inherit based on who has survived. There is a particular order of who will actually inherit, and it starts with the surviving spouse and children. So if you are the only remaining family member, you should inherit. However, it's important to review the rules just to make sure. So in terms of what to do next, well, in terms of the process, it actually depends on what has actually been left. For example, if there was a property, then usually it will have to go through the probate process to confirm that no will was left and you are the person entitled to inherit. The probate registry will then issue what's called a grant of letters of administration, which is similar to a grant of probate, and that can be, then be used to deal with the property or collecting bank accounts. So in terms of, of what to do, I'd recommend speaking with one of our solicitors to confirm what action needs to be taken. And as I mentioned earlier, a list can be found on our website under our supporters page. Mm. Now, Paul... Well, does it make it easier for people if they do create a will? Before, I mean, it's one of those things that you never think of. So making a will, does that make the whole process easier? It, it does, um, in, in two different ways, really. So, so one is to ensure that your wishes will be carried out, number one, because you are choosing rather than relying on the government and the law at the time that you die. But secondly, it makes it easier because if you don't have a will in place, it goes to relatives. So you have to create a family tree in some cases of who's going to inherit. And they actually have to prove how they're related to you as well through birth certificates, marriage certificates as well if they've changed their name. So by creating what does make the process a little easier and also from the point of view of the person creating the will, you can be sure of what's actually going to happen when you die rather than leaving it to somebody else to actually decide for you. Okay, great, Paul. So um, we'll... we'll We'll come back to uh, issues with regards, unfortunately, people passing away and those monetary issues in a sec. Uh, but I've got another question here that's uh, quite interesting um, from uh, a lady. And she says, my husband and I are going through a divorce. We have a joint will in place that my husband now wants to change immediately prior to the divorce being final. I don't agree. And all I, I want to wait. He says, that's not up to me. Do we include this document in the divorce or let the court decide how we move forward? We both have very different ideas on how we want to split things, which will impact how our children would benefit. Sounds like a very interesting and challenging problem there, Paul. 
it, it does, yes. It's always very difficult in, in divorces with all the emotion that's happening and it's such a, a difficult time for, for everybody involved. Um, when it comes to the will aspect of it, when people say they have a, a joint will, what they're usually referring to are what's called mirror wills. So this is where you each create the will which have the same terms. For example, they reflect each other, hence being known as mirror wills. For example, you've given everything to each other, so from husband to wife or vice versa, and then when both people die, it passes to the children. Although the wills are the same in the terms they contain, they can be revoked, cancelled, by the party at any time, regardless of the wishes of the other person. The other type of will, or joint will, is called a mutual will. Now, these are two wills where we both agree not to revoke it when one person dies. And when that person dies, the surviving person cannot change what happens to the inheritance they have received from the person that died. It's very restrictive, and as a result, those types of wills are actually very, very rare and rarely seen in practice by solicitors. However, when both parties are alive, they can actually still be changed provided notice has been given. It's only when one person has died that it can't be changed. So divorce does have an effect generally on existing wills once it actually goes through, and divorce partners treat as if they've died before you. I would always recommend that people that are going through a divorce review their wills as soon as possible to reflect the circumstances has changed. And in this case, I, I would recommend that the person that's written in does actually take legal advice about what they can do and what they need to do. Because from the information received so far, it does sound like the wills can be changed straight away, whether this lady would like it or not. Mm. Yeah, interesting advice, Paul. And clearly, when people get married, they don't think about divorce. And I know certainly, if you look at uh, my will, for example, you know it, this goes to this person and that other. And the other thing is, sometimes you forget to update. I mean, I know that certainly some of the things in my will, those people are, are no longer those trusted people. Who you well, trusted is the wrong word, but they're no longer close to us or whatever. So you may well want to look at that will. It's not just a write only once document, is it? Oh, that's, that's quite right. Um, as solicitors, we recommend people review their wills at least every three to five years to make sure they're up to date, or when anything major changes in your life. For example, buying a new house, children reach age of 18, any other major life events. And I would always view it as it's a will for the next three to five years, just in case you die. Keep it under review, and then you can ensure whatever happens in life, your real wishes will take effect. Uh, right, my father has written a will on a piece of paper, signed it and got our next-door neighbour to witness it. He has, is in good health at present and feels that he has done enough, should anything happen to him. Is this right? Does he need to do more with the signed and witnessed piece of paper, or is that enough? Okay, well, thank you. That's, that's a very interesting question, and particularly at the moment as well with lockdowns and difficulties in signing and witnessing wills. So for a will to be valid, it must be signed in the presence of two witnesses who must also sign the will. So if only one person has witnessed the will, it's not going to be valid. So if the only, so if the only person that has witnessed it is the neighbour, then this will would not be valid. Another point to remember when witnessing wills is if a person witnesses a will in which they benefit, they will lose their inheritance. This also applies if their spouse witnesses the will. Now, a will doesn't have to be in a particular format, and a homemade will such as this can be valid. However... If it doesn't contain certain legal clauses, for example, what's called an attestation clause, which confirms it's been signed in front of two witnesses, then the probate registry could require evidence it's been signed correctly.
which can cause delays. If it can't be proved, they may cause a major problem in terms of proving the will. It's also quite common in my experience, and I'm sure I speak for other solicitors when I say this, quite common for homemade wills to appear to be okay on the face of it from the person who's created it. But due to where it's written, the actual effect is opposite to what's actually been intended. And I have seen several wills like that where someone has come to me and said, I've written my homemade will, this is what it says, I've read through it, and had to give the bad news that it's completely different to what they thought, just because of the way it's been written by them. So I would always recommend having a professionally drafted will to give peace of mind that the will is actually valid. And in this case here, if it has only been witnessed by one person, it is not going to be valid, I'm afraid. Mm-hmm. Well, that's, uh, that's very interesting. So two people. But I think your point is, Paul, that, you know, it, it's a bit like when you talk to somebody about investing in a pension scheme when they're only 20 years old. It, it's, it's sort of, yeah, I'll do that later in my life. And I think that's the challenge as well with wills. Um, it's, it seems like a big investment and maybe not necessary at the time. But realistically, you never know what's happening. And certainly in the current environment with the virus and everything else, probably more important than anything else. So that's it. And, and as I said, it's peace of mind to know that although you are making an investment in making sure it's professionally drafted, you can be sure that it's definitely going to be right and definitely what you want. And most importantly, make it easier for your family when you're no longer here. Because yeah. It makes things so much easier for them. Yeah, I think that's the point as well, isn't it? Unfortunately, after the person who's written the will is gone, uh, then the people who are left behind have got to deal with the whole estate and everything else. You're listening to a podcast from The Cat. We've uh, got the pleasure of Paul Clark, who's joined us from the South Cheshire Law Society. Um, So, Paul, lots of questions, as I say, and this one looks like a little difficult one for me, and I'm sure lots of people are thinking about it, but I'll just read the question that's been sent in. Uh, My father died a a little while while ago and sadly my mother has recently passed away also i am now the executor of her will everything has been left to my brother and i whilst my mother paid to give my father a good send-off a good funeral there was very little money left in her estate after that just enough money to pay the funeral expenses we are now finding unpaid bills which we were unaware of until after her death as we started to receive postal demands for the money as the executor am i now liable for the money she owed and if not what do i do about the money she owes. There's no money left in the estate to pay for these. Okay, um, well, well, thank you for that, that question. Um, it's sadly it's something that does happen quite often. Um, so as the executor, um, you're liable for identifying the assets and liabilities or the debts of the estate and ensuring that any liabilities and expenses are paid. However, the executor is not usually personally liable to pay the debts from their own assets. Instead, the debts are to be paid from the money left by the person that died. In situations like this, when someone dies and doesn't leave enough money to pay their debt, their estate is considered to be insolvent, and their estate is governed by the rules of insolvency. This is very similar to a person being made bankrupt. In most cases, a insolvent practitioner would be instructed to manage the administration. As executors got to be very careful and how they actually deal with the debts to avoid becoming personally liable themselves. However, if there are very few assets, as it sounds like there are in this case, the insolvency practitioner may not want to act, totally bluntly because they won't get paid. In situations like this, writing to the companies concerned to explain the situation 
may help and sometimes they do actually write off the debts at that point. Mm. So I would suggest contacting them directly just to explain the circumstances. Yeah, I mean, what the person doesn't tell us, Paul, is whether that's a few pounds or thousands of pounds. Mm. Unfortunately, uh, the parent didn't tell them um, about the money. That could be an electric bill, couldn't it? It could be, it could right. be something as simple as that. So, uh, yeah, it's a tough one. Mm. So, Paul, the last question for today. There's actually some that will carry over to our next session, but uh, this one I think is possibly one that may affect a number of people. It says, My mother sadly passed away a year or so ago. My father remains in the house they they owned and have paid for and have lived there for many years sadly my father's health is starting to deteriorate and i'm concerned that long term he may have to go into a care home he says he won't do that he doesn't want to have to sell the house to pay for the cost of the care home he wants me to have the house he does have some money but clearly not enough for long-term care that he might need and the expense of a care home is there anything i can do now i don't think the person here is trying to be selfish and take the money for herself mm. i think it's from what i read of this it's trying to actually get a father to get the care that he needs but he won't because that means he'll have to sell the house so what are your thoughts on that paul well that's it i think many people in a similar position is where first of all they do want to perhaps stay at home to receive care rather than go into a care home and it's always very tough when someone's worked all their life to save and provide a home to then have something happen to them where they then have to sell what they've worked for. When it comes to care fees, a person is responsible for funding their care until they reach the threshold, which is just over £23,000, at which point local authority contribute to fees. Now, in this, I'm not suggesting this case here, but if someone did give, some, give something away with the intention of avoiding paying care fees, for example, they wanted to pass their house to their children, it would be deemed by the local authority to be what's called a deliberate deprivation of assets. And the local authority would still claim it back anyway, no matter where it's gone. It may be possible for this person's father to receive care at home. Instead of having to sell the house, the local authority could place a charge on the property. Now that's similar to a mortgage. Instead of necessarily paying back every month, you pay it back when the house is sold, eventually when that time comes. And that can then be used to fund the care rather than having to sell the house. And that's often a good, a good compromise. Something else to factor in as well is it's important to review your father's wife's or your mother's will to determine whether everything actually passed across to your father or whether she placed her share of the home into trust. If it was the case that the property was placed into trust, the whole of the family home may not be taken into account when it comes to assessing care fees. Another point to remember or to consider is if your father's health is deteriorating, it'd be important to make sure he has lasting powers of attorney in place so that he can appoint someone to make decisions on his behalf if he loses the ability to make decisions for himself. An example could be if, if he didn't want to sell the house and wanted to live at home rather than go into care, your attorneys can actually fulfill his wishes structure so he can stay at home. In this case, given the complexity of, of the issues, it's very important to take legal advice to confirm father's position, whether he has power of attorney in place, and also making sure his financial position is structured so he can stay at home and wouldn't necessarily have to sell the house as well. Mm. 
So I guess, Paul, it, it's the advice realistically is to think about this before it happens. Go and get legal advice before it happens. Because it's, it is. Yeah, you just said, you know, putting things into trust. I'm not sure if people are aware of, of that, and therefore they minimise the exposure of what's owed on the house or whatever. But they're the things that obviously uh, people such as yourself can advise people when people are alive. It's very difficult. Well, clearly, you can't do that once somebody's passed away. That, that's it. It's one of those situations where you have to think ahead and plan ahead. So when you are fit and well, there's no problems on the horizon, that's the time to put your plans in place to prepare for the worst so that whatever happens you are protected and your family are protected mm. and the other point you raised Paul is about power of attorney and I'm sure we'll have a few mm. questions about that coming up too in the not too distant future about what does that mean because power of attorney means many things and obviously a complex topic uh, but it does give people the ability to have power of attorney over their parents if or parent if they're, if they're basically not in, in a not capable of being able to do that. That's, that's right. It, it gives the ability to help look after them. So help them make decisions if they can't make them themselves. And also make sure they receive the care that they need and deserve. And it makes a very difficult time much, much easier. Mm. Right. Well, Paul, uh, thank you so much for answering some of those questions. And I think there's some pretty general answers that numerous people can probably pick out of some of the answers that we've given today. Um, so what I'd like to do is to just hand over to you, Paul, to give me a little bit more on South Cheshire Law Society, maybe how people can contact you if they've heard something and that's tweaked their interest, how they can get in touch with you. So I'll, uh, I'll hand it over to you. Well, thank you very much. Um, so as I mentioned at the beginning of the show, we have a website, which is southcheshirelaw.co.uk it has information about the society who we are and also about our, what we call corporate members, so law firms who are members of the society so if you go into our website, southcheshirelaw.co.uk and click our supporters we have a list of law firms who are members has a brief description about them and links to their websites so if after today there is a legal problem that you have go onto our website You'll be able to find a solicitor to speak to, and they'll be happy to talk you through your problem. Um, we're based in Crew Nemich and Sandbach, so it'll be a local firm for you. We also have a Twitter page, Facebook page, and we can be contacted by telephone. And the telephone number is 01270 So that's 01270-868-373. And also for people that are considering a career in the legal profession, we also host regular events and be happy to invite you along so that you can meet different solicitors, different lawyers and ask questions about a career in the law. Oh, there's an interesting one, Paul. We'll probably talk a little bit more about that next time you're on. So, Paul Clark, again, thank you so much for answering questions. Uh, we'll certainly gather a few more questions for you, and we've got a couple that we have actually can carry over from today into our next session. So we'll look forward to talking to you in a month's time here on The Perfect Afternoon.
time for a look now at the local news stories from the past seven days. Cheshire Archives and Local Studies have launched a project to collect images of everyday life in Cheshire during the COVID-19 pandemic. Life in lockdown, your stories shared will create a lasting memory of this unique period, a time capsule of everyday life. Their archives already have a large collection of historic photographs of people, places and events nearby and events which are hugely important in telling the story of our local communities. This new project will ensure that life during the pandemic is recorded and preserved for future generations. 100 images that represent the full range of different experiences from all communities across Cheshire will be added to the Cheshire Image Bank Historic Photograph website. Images can be shared by visiting the Cheshire Archives website. Also in the news, the Rotary Club of Curran Nantwich Weaver has announced that the rapidly improving situation concerning the COVID-19 pandemic in the UK has allowed them to now proceed with this year's Weaver Wonder on Saturday the 12th of September. The club has conducted a series of detailed assessments on the health risks associated with the event, focusing principally on the registration and collection of cars and entrance at Nantwich Town Football Club, along with arrangements and plans for the destination at Hanklow Hall. Application forms for the event can be obtained by going to weaverwonder.co.uk. Helen Kaepernick is raising £120,000 to help her son Georgie receive treatment for a very rare bone cancer called Irving sarcoma. Helen spoke to Dave Fawkes earlier this week. Just briefly, uh, Helen, can you tell the listener um, what this treatment that you're saving up uh, for, uh, you're asking people for donations for, um, what's it entail? So it's stem cell. Um, So what what it is, um, the cancer that he's got is, obviously very rare and it's aggressive cancer and um, it's it was actually when he was being formed in May um, this is when it started so as the cells started to kind of divide one cell didn't recognize the other yeah so it kind of set this abnormality off um, so this is kind of laid dormant and it's typical of this cancer that um, it's very common in boys um, although there has been a couple of girls on the board um, and they tend to it tends to kind of happen when they have a growth spurt. So they say between the age of ten and twenty. Yeah. Um, but unfortunately, with Georgie, he was eight, um, and he fell over in um, my friend's back garden, and it just kind of went on from there. Yeah. So yeah, it's it's. Um, so this thing is called is is it Ewing's sarcoma? Have I got that right? Yes, it's Ewing okay. sarcoma, okay. and it is an abnormality. So the treatment that we're we're um, raising the money for is to remove the abnormal cell within within his body. Um, at the moment, he's had a lot of chemotherapy. Um, he's currently just finished his fourth round of chemotherapy. Yeah, um, he's due to have six, which is why we're, this is you know quite quite sudden um but after the sixth round um we're we're hoping obviously all the cancer is gone yeah um it's got a scan this sunday so we'll have more of an update then um okay then when yeah, sorry, I'm going on. <laughs> no, no, no. It was just—I uh, I mean, obviously, you're, you you sort of want that to finish, and then 
hopefully you'll have raised the money by then um, and we can yeah. be thinking about um, going off to, is it Thailand, is it, you go for the treatment? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I read okay. somewhere that it involves um, some uh, something from a donated umbilical cord. Is that? Am I getting that right as well? Yes. Yeah. So what they do, um, they have a donated umbilical cord, and they then it goes through a process of being um, kind of purified, so there's no kind of abnormalities with the cells. Um, it, then it has to be matched with Georgie, so obviously his body will reject this. Yeah. And then it involves going over, and what they do is what they call a mother cell in his body. This this cell is continuously going around his body. Chemo is killing the cancer, but it's not actually doing anything to this cell. Got you. So once this cell is in his body, it's it's just well, the man in the man for the coat said, unfortunately, it, it will just coming back coming back so yeah. we need to remove this cell from his body get purified brand new cells in his body and then to prevent any cancer any tumors coming back because obviously it'd be completely different fabulous kind of stuff and, and how how does georgie take all this i mean it must be a very uh, onerous thing to have to go through all this is, is does he realize what's going to happen if when we get to thailand does he know all about that yeah, it does. Um, we've tried along the way, because obviously he's only eight when we found out. We've tried to, you know, we've not kept things from him, but we've tried to kind of safeguard him, you know, from all of the, like, all of the things that he's been through. Yeah. Um, obviously, we had um, his scan results after the second round this time, and we've got we've given the brilliant news that, you know, his tumour had reduced, which was fab with the chemo. Yeah. But we'd also been pinning our hopes when his cancer returned in April um, the consultant was amazing you know the hospital uh, everyone has, has been really good they sent his um, his biopsy off to Great Ormond Street with the hope that we could have um, a targeted drug that would kind of change the makeup of this cell you know to stop yeah, it yeah. From, Got you. from coming back but, so we have, we have brilliant news that it's shrunk but we're also dealt you know devastating blow that the results were back they couldn't they couldn't find a targeted drug for him um which kind of kick-started this off so you know i was i was really upset yeah thinking, oh, sure what we're gonna do the only thing <clears throat> i asked the consultant after the sixth round when it's gone you know what what if you relapse straight away you know what are you going to do yeah well there's more chemotherapy options but at the end of the day the chemotherapy isn't going to that that, that just treats it it doesn't cure it yeah, in terms of that so so this, it, so this process in in thailand then you're looking to go when 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 would you actually go out there so this is this is the bit that's just a little bit up in the air because georgie's due six rounds of chemo yeah um he can't have surgery because of where the tumor is it's just too close to the vital nerves um so it's hope they're hoping that it will be gone by the sixth round yeah so if that's the case which we're keeping fingers crossed for um then it will be the chemo kind of stays in the system for a few weeks um so to try and get out there by the middle of september right if it were to be after the sixth round that it was still a bit left and he needed another round you're talking another three four weeks later but Obviously, we're going with the fact that we want it, and we're really hopeful it'll be gone. Okay. Well, let, let's stay positive with that, and let's keep our fingers yes. crossed. I mean, Definitely. I'm sure he had some yes. great news um, a week or two back when his beloved Liverpool uh, won the league. Yes. 
Um, oh, I'm sure that was a big tonic for him, wasn't it? That was. Excellent that was stuff. Okay, so um, that's where we are at the moment. What we need to do now is to try and get you closer to this £120,000. You're halfway at the moment. Is that is that beyond your expectations, Helen? Did, is this where you thought you were going to be? And now I just, I honestly cannot believe, I, I think people are sick of seeing me saying thank you on Facebook, <laughs> and I'm on the Just Giving page. I, I set this up, when we, when we got the news about the no-targeted drugs, I sat there and thought, what we're going to do? I thought, yep. right, I'm going to do it, I'm going to, I spent hours and hours trying to write the Just Giving thing up, and trying to get it in such, you know, little I didn't want to over kind of do it on, on the just giving because people get fed up of reading it so I thought I'll do this I never intended it to go like it has I thought I asked people to share it just share it for me on Facebook because people did so yeah. much the whole community was fabulous last time when it was poorly so I just thought I, I just thought if we can just get like just a couple of thousand you know I'd sell my house I'd yeah. sell everything we'd get over there and it's just our community is just, um, you know, I, I, I just cry every time something comes on the face. Well, Everybody's got do, you know, do you know, Helen, yeah. you're right to a point, but it, tell, it, it takes somebody to kick it all off and get going on it, and you've done that, and hats off to you. Um, you've had loads and loads of people doing uh, a varied things to, to raise some cash and, and donate. Um, would you like to say uh, thanks to, to the people who've helped so far? Would that be a good opportunity oh, now? yeah. I mean, I've got a page here full, and I'm just scared in case I miss it. <laughs> I, I can't go into all but I'll be here till tomorrow. There's been that many. Everyone's just the whole of of the community and further afield have just gotten involved. Yeah, well, um, I think what, you know, um, do you remember the guy with the walking frame, Captain Tom, yeah, is it? Yeah. Tom, yeah. yeah. W once people get what you're trying to do, then then the money will flow. The money will flow. Yeah. I, I'm, I take my hat off to you, Helen. Uh, you, you've made an excellent job so far. I'm sure we can get this. Oh, I've come up with my little own idea. All right. Yeah. You know how yeah. this thing at the moment is eat out to help out. Yeah. All right. What my suggestion is: if you're going on eat out to help out, the money that you've saved, the money that you've saved, because you're going to get your bill um, cut. I think it's by 50%. The money that you've saved, why yeah. not donate it to Georgie? That's a fantastic idea. So yeah. that's, that's that's what that's I'm going to do. That's what exactly what I'm going to do. So if you're out and about... Oh, if If you're... <laughs> If you're going to be in a restaurant, and there's loads of people at the moment, the, the restaurants and the, and the cafes are full of people taking advantage of this. If, you, yeah. if you're going to save some money, do you know what? Let's give that to Georgie and let's get him to Thailand. Oh. That's a brilliant idea, Dave. Right. Thank so you. We're gonna, we're gonna, I'm going to promote the hell out of that. Um, oh, thank you. We've well, got uh, we've got a link on our uh, website to the Just Giving page. Um, if anybody w wants to do that, that's fine. What's the best other way of doing it? Is it just type in Georgie Capener and... Well, yeah, so this is what... I've, I've got so much of that. But my friend, um, Joanna Edge, she's, um, she got involved and did loads last time. And as soon as she found out, she set up a page um, called Georgie's Fight on Facebook. And I think we've got over about 2,200 people on it now. Just, it's, it's just... It's gone... It's gone 
absolutely wild. It's brilliant. Everyone's putting all of the fundraiser ideas Fabulous. on there. Fabulous. Um, and you can, you know, you can post things on there and everyone's getting involved. And, um, and yeah, so there's that on Facebook. That's George's fight. Um, we've also had, uh, which I only found out the other day, um, some, Sam and Michelle have, um, have set up a page, South Cheshire Youth Football Raffle for Georgie, and that's going amazingly well. Um, you know, yeah, well, you're all, you're all over us. the papers as well, and, you know... Um, I know, people that don't know us, you know, we're just getting involved. We've got Forge Fitness in Rainhill, they're, they're doing a load of stuff. Well, so, you've, you you've know, seen, Helen, them. you've seen exactly what happens when, you know, that um, Captain Tom got on his, his walking frame. You're doing a yeah. similar thing, and I've, I think you're going to get that to that 120 grand. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, will you say a big hello to Georgie? I know he's having his treatment at the minute. Will you say a big hello and a massive, massive support from us all here at the Cat? So, uh, I'd like to say thank you, Helen, for taking uh, time out of, of Georgie's treatment to come and chat to us. Uh, and please do come back and let us know how the um, how the fun's getting on. Like I say, we're up to about sixty thousand at the minute. Um, six with offline donations, sixty-two thousand. Sixty-two thousand. Come on. So can I just say one thing? Of course you can. Of course you can. I just wanted to just just mention um, our local pub, the Woodside. They're doing a whole bank holiday weekend um, um, event. <clears throat> if people want to follow their page, they're you know very good friends there. Yeah. Um, and thank you. I want to do a special thank you to Macy Wally, who Georgie the, the logo on his page. Georgie designed while he was in the hospital having a blood transfusion, and Macy is only twelve, but she's done that all on her own. And oh, that's like, what's, that her, what's her name? What's her name, Helen? Macy Wally, and she's Macy Wally. That logo is just so special to us. Now we're, you know we're going to keep that logo. Fabulous and, stuff. Um, and, and and one last thing. Sorry, I won't keep you. His own personal fundraiser. Georgie wants to do one, and it's going to be. I haven't put it out there yet, but he wants to, everybody on Wednesday, the twentieth, sixth of August, to wear something yellow and donate a pound to the fund if anyone wants to do that. But we want to see everywhere yellow houses lit up. I don't right. know you're going to do it yellow, but. <laughs> But that's one thing that we've got planned, and that's his personal thing he wants to do. Brilliant. He's, well, Helen, what I'm, so gonna, what I'm going to tell you now, um, we do right up your street on a Wednesday, so we are going to go the full the full yellow. We're going to do that all day. We're going to do yellow oh, on the 26th for you. Thank you so much, Helen, for, for taking the time to do that, and we wish you and Georgie and the family every success in getting to that 120 grand. And we'll, uh, oh, we'll keep in touch soon, yeah? Thank you, everybody. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Thanks, Dave, for having me on. I really uh, appreciate it. My, my pleasure throughout, Helen. Thanks for that. Okay. Thank you. Bye. Bye bye. A link to the Just Giving page can be found on our website at thisisthecat.com. That's it for this week's edition of In Case You Missed It. We'll be back next week for another look at the last seven days on the cat and in our local area. Go to listen.thisisthecat.com for more podcasts and more ways to listen.